Hi, friends. Season three of Two Monicas and a Microphone continues with another Spotlight episode featuring my longtime friend, Pepe Clark, and his story about becoming a successful musician in Los Angeles with his band, King, as well as opening up Let There Be Rock Schools in El Paso, Texas. And just a heads up, today's episode features some adult language, since we are talking about rock and roll. The start of our conversation is me explaining how I sometimes forget to hit record. Just a little behind the scenes of what it takes to make a podcast. That is crazy. The recording is in progress. I'm sure that's never happened to you. Um, I mean, <laughs> I've heard it happen. <laughs> oh, no, more than once. Even Monica and I, we recorded this great episode and she forgot to hit record or I did. Who knows? But it's happened to me at least four times. That's hilarious. And a lot of times it's like two and a half hours. And I'm like, oh, my God, never getting those hours back. And now we have to redo everything and make it seem like it's the first time. Right. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do, you, do you cop out to it? Are you like, listen, <laughs> I know we just spent two hours on the phone. Oh, no, but... I totally do. I mean, like, oh, okay. I'm there, like, slamming my my fist on my forehead. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe I just did that. Um, no, no. Do you cop out to it, like? To the people that listen to you, like, do you let them know this is the second time we've? Oh, talked. um, I think with one of the episodes we did, uh -huh. yes, we're like we <laughs> we just redid this and it's better this time. <clears throat> trust us. I'm not sure though. I think we try to fake it. <laughs> That's we hilarious. Keep those private things to ourselves. Those private failures. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we, we're recording now. So, hey, friends, I'm playing Joe Rogan today. And I'm doing this for two Monica's and a Microphone Spotlight Series. And today, I'm very happy to interview my friend since 1985. Can you believe it, Pepe? I cannot and believe it. That is AKA Kindergarten. So I'm interviewing Pepe Clark. And I was sparked to ask Pepe for an interview because after more than 20 years, the last thing I expected to show up to a venue in Seattle was to watch him play drums for a thriving would you characterize yourselves as heavy metal? Like, how do you guys characterize yourselves? I mean, I guess so. Yeah, heavy heavy rock is generally heavy rock. What I, yeah, okay. what I say. Heavy rock band King spelled K Y N G in two thousand seven, and I can't wait to get into this interview with Pepe and share his story with you because I don't even know the full story, and I'm dying to get into it. So, Pepe, oh. can you introduce yourself and please pronounce your whole name? Sure. My name is Pepe Clark Magaña, and uh, I am a musician. I grew up in Juarez, Mexico. I went to elementary school in El Paso, where I met you. Yeah, I've been a musician for, for all these years. You obviously don't know the story since we had a gap of about 30 years or more totally. uh -huh. in our history. So I remember you just moved away all of a sudden. I think you were the first person I knew to move away. <gasps> really? That's crazy. So, yeah, yeah. We, we moved away in 1988. So it was after second grade. I think you went to Missouri, no? We went to Gallup, New Mexico. Oh, wow. That, I just drove through there. Yeah, yeah. I um, just drove through there yesterday. That's hilarious. I have uh, a lot of turquoise jewelry from Gallup, New Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> from when I was eight years old. And we were only there for like three months. And then we moved to Detroit, where my dad's family is from. And that's where we ended up. The one thing I remember about you from kindergarten was your dad showed us along John Silver's. It was we we went on a, on a field trip, and I remember that so vividly. It's uh, and every time I see one, 
I think of your dad. You know what? Same here. <laughs> really? Same here. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, because it was one of the one of those things that he did to like keep the family going until yeah, we sure. moved to Detroit. He would pretend to lock us in the freezer when we would go. Yes, <laughs> I remember this. I remember this all. <laughs> that is so crazy. All right, so you're in El Paso now. and I'm in El Paso now, yes. I want to know your road trip to ending up in L.A. I did um, elementary school in El Paso, and then I, I did uh, the rest of my schooling in, in Juarez. And um, when I was in high school, I, everybody started talking about what everybody wanted to do with their lives, right? Sure. And uh, I started going through different careers in my head that I thought would be good for me. My dad was an architect, so I was like, oh, maybe like I, like, I do like architecture. I could do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, marketing. I was already playing in a local band in Juarez and uh, we were playing shows and I loved it. I, I remember vividly having like this epiphany, like I want to be a musician. I was 16. I said, okay. you know, I, I want to be a, a musician. That's This is what I want to do. And it, it was it was super clear to me that that was that was what I wanted to do. And then I told my parents Did and my dad out? was like, my mom definitely didn't like the idea my dad was a little more calm but he said um well i was doing horribly in school and he said well if you don't graduate the year that you're supposed to graduate high school i'm not going to support this you know mm-hmm. and so i kind of like really he started to focus a lot on school and uh passing all my classes and uh, i did it i had to do i had to do summers i was doing terrible terribly in school okay so i had to do a lot of summers and stuff to kind of catch up with everyone else i did it and, and they were really supportive and then I, I wanted to study, study music as a degree. So I went to Musicians Institute and I was there for two years. And then I transferred to Berkeley College of Music, two years there in Boston. And then I, I decided I wanted to, I didn't finish my degree. I just wanted to move back to LA and start my career. So okay. that's kind of what, what happened. I moved back to Los Angeles. I started playing um, with different local bands around town and I started mm-hmm. playing, just gigging, right? Like playing in, uh, playing in churches, playing with cover artists, playing, doing lessons, just trying to survive as a musician was, was tough. I was also a janitor at the school where I had attended. I was a busboy. I did all kinds of jobs to survive. And then I started touring. So those jobs were easy to quit and then come back and ask for the job again and I would get hired again. Okay. That's kind of what I what I started doing to to survive. I would start touring, come back for two weeks, ask one of these places if I could work for two weeks. They'd be like, "Okay, you can." And then I would leave again for three months, and then come back for another week, and just kind of staying busy that way. And I did that for for a few years. That's kind of how I became a musician. That sounds like the quintessential musician story. Right. And I've read, exactly. <laughs> I've read, I've read far too many rock star memoirs. It was like an obsession of mine for a long while. And it sounds very familiar. And at least you didn't end up living in a storage unit. You know what? I, well, or, funny. or I, did you? I didn't, I did, I didn't end up in a storage unit. I did live in our rehearsal room for a few months. When I, when I was living in LA, I was, for whatever reason, I wasn't really happy and I was going to move to Mexico City. Okay. And when I was flying to Mexico City, to visit a friend who was going to help me find a place to live and stuff. Mm-hmm. I looked down at LA and I was like, what am I doing? Like, I like this is such an amazing place. I haven't taken full advantage of it. Like, I can't move right now. Like, I already have made so many connections here. I've, yeah, yeah. You know, done so much with, with my musical career here. I'm going to just move and start over in a different country. It's like, that's ridiculous. So I went to Mexico City, hung out, 
came back to LA, but I had already given up my apartment. I had already okay. sold all my stuff. So I came back, but I was in my car. I was basically living in my car. We got a rehearsal room. I started living in the rehearsal room for until I could get back on my feet. Started, you know, same mm-hmm. thing, starting over, looking for jobs, looking for teaching gigs, looking for playing gigs, stuff like that. And then slowly started to build myself back up again. And that, that was around the time where King became like my main, main focus. Okay. So we're going to get into that in a minute, but I want to know how you picked drums because we haven't said what musical instrument Pepe plays, plays the drums and he's amazing. I've seen pictures and I've seen you you. live. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um, uh, This is one of those cheesy things where it's almost like drums picked me, right? Because it was something I was drawn to ever since I have memory. I always wanted to play the drums and we grew up, my parents were very Christian. So we went to church every Sunday And I uh, loved the, like, I could, I was just amazed by drumming. And that was, that was just, I was always drawn to it. That's what I asked for as a Christmas present every year until I turned 11 and I finally got a drum set. So yeah, it it was never even a thought of what I wanted to play. I just knew I wanted to play drums. You just knew. Someone told me once that the instrument that you hear most pronounced whenever you listen to music is what you're drawn to. And that Hmm. stuck with me. And my mom, my brother, and I took a train from Detroit to El Paso. And uh-huh. I met these kids. They were a couple years older. I mean, it's a long train, long train ride, right? A it couple is, nights. Yeah. 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 And they were listening to the Lemonheads. And the guitar stuck out to me. So then after that, I asked for a guitar for Christmas. And you want to know what my dad did? What did he do? He put a guitar case under the Christmas tree and filled Uh-oh. it with tennis shoes. No. <laughs> so i opened it up and i was just like devastated because i'd already received gifts right i'd already received my presents and here was the one thing that i wanted when i was like 12 13 and it was not in there and then like an hour later he's like oh i forgot this and he brings it out of the closet oh (laughs) (laughs) that's pretty evil wow I can't wait. I can't wait to do that stuff to my kids. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to love you. Oh, totally. I I can't wait to hear their podcast in 20 years where they're talking about how you did that to them. (laughs) He loved playing pranks at Christmas. It's like, hey, here's your CD player. Oh, sorry. It's just the box. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. You go back to LA and you decide to focus on King. How did King come together? So, before King, I used to play in a band called Ankla. Is that where you were in Seattle when I saw you? Yes, 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 exactly. Okay. That's that band. Yes. And so the reason I, I mentioned that is because I remember that music being like the heaviest music I had ever witnessed live. And I was so really? out of place. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was Ankla. Now I remember. Okay. I think we were on we were on tour with uh, American Head Charge, I believe. Okay. When, so, when when I saw you. I loved it. We can get into that a little more later. But the sure. difference between the music is oh. the kids and I were just rocking out to King. I, like I put it on while I was emptying the dishwasher. And I was like, this is not what I first heard. No, no, not at all. No, it's Ankla was way heavier. Very much. Yes. yes. Very yes. much heavier. I was like, I'm missing about 92 tattoos and a leather jacket. <laughs> <laughs> yes i mean it was a, a band i loved i loved being in that's where i met tony who is the bass player in king okay do you want me to get into king 
In, yeah, uh, let's go into yeah. King. With Uncle, we were touring extensively, ex- like ve- all year. And we did some brutal tours. We did some great tours. We did Ozfest in 2007. I remember which seeing was, that. Which was a dream come true for me. I remember a few years earlier going to an Ozfest and thinking like, that's such, it's such a bummer that Ozzy's so old. Like I probably, I probably would never get a chance to play one of these. And then a few years later, we were, we, you know, we were touring with Ozfest. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so that was a dream come true. But touring was rough with that band. Um, it was five of us. I mean, we all got along in a sense, but not every, like I got along with everyone. Not everyone got along in the band. So it was, okay. it, it, it turned into some pretty miserable times at times, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're, in, you're in a car for sometimes 20 hours a day. You're just driving, 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 seeing each other's faces constantly. And it was, it was, it was a lot. Okay. Tony and I, the bass player, he, we, we became really good friends. And he would stay up, like when it was my turn to drive, he would usually go to the co-pilot seat and we would just listen to music. And we started listening to a lot of, um, I guess, stoner music, like like Black Sabbath-inspired bands, like Down or Corrosion of Conformity okay. or um, uh-huh. bands like that. And I was like, man, we should, he would tell me, we should do something like this, but a little with like more more metal drumming, more drumming catered to what I did. You know what I mean? And I was like, yeah, we should totally like we, you know, we just talked about it. He's like, I know the perfect guy that that we could do this with. And we talked about it for a few years, you know, just just kind of daydreaming in the car because like situation was so miserable. We kind of knew it was going to end eventually. And yeah, one year we got back from a tour in December and our van got stolen. Our van and trailer got stolen with all <gasps> the gear. everyone's gear. except for I my just Trump, saw thankfully. a TV show about that. Oh really? Oh, it no, happens a lot. I didn't realize like, it was no, a TV show. Just, like it just drove off with all of it. Yeah. So Tony lived lived in Linwood in LA, which is I mean, it's yeah. not the best I, the best area. And he told he warned everyone it was December. I was already in Juarez when this happened. That was home for Christmas, and, and he told everyone like, "You guys got to pick this van up really quickly. It'll get stolen right away." Mm-hmm. And just two days passed, and nobody picked <gasps> it up, and, and it's. Somebody took off with it. (laughs) So that was, that was almost, almost, it wasn't the the very end of On Club, but that was very much the beginning of the end. We decided to put it on hiatus. And then, so Tony and I talked and we're like, hey, let's, let's do this band that we've been talking about for so long. And so he introduced me to Eddie Beliz, who's the singer and guitar player of King. And we wrote our first song, which is to this day, our most popular song. It's called Falling Down. (gasps) Oh, uh, I just listened to it. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So so that was kind of the, the kickoff of of defining our sound and what we wanted to do. And I came back to L.A., you know, right after Christmas and we just started writing, writing, writing. And it started to, to turn into a thing. You know, we started playing locally, opening mm-hmm. up the bands. One of our really good friends is Jose Mangan from Sirius XM Radio. He's the metal programmer on, on Liquid Metal. And he also does Octane and a lot of other channels, Ozzy's Boneyard. He's a really good friend of ours, a big fan of Ankla. He became really good friends with Tony. He came to a rehearsal to hear some of the music, and he, mm-hmm. thankfully, was blown away. And he's, to this day, been our biggest, biggest supporter. That was kind of when st- things started taking off. He introduced us to some label people, and those label people introduced us to who became our management. So the label was called Reality Records. They were a great, a great label, which unfortunately went under, but they were an awesome label. Our management was, which was Indigo, and our booking agent, which was um, UTA, and that's when things started really taking off for for King. You know, we start we did a showcase to for these people in New York, and then we just started touring. Our first tour was with 
the a band called The Sword, a band that we're all fans of. And yeah, we just started touring, 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 touring. What year did this all come together? Um, I think 2011 is when we started touring. The band formed okay. in 2009, eight or nine. And then, yeah, around 2011, 2012 is when we started touring a lot. All right. And because I remember you contacting me or maybe I, like, I don't know, I saw that you were touring or something. And then you ended up in Seattle again, but with Kim yes. instead. Yes. Yeah. And so the first show I saw of yours, I went literally by myself because I had no friends and I was a fish <laughs> out of water. I mean, like, I was like, uh, again, missing 92 tattoos and wearing the wrong clothes. Hey, and then I don't the have any time, tattoos. I had one friend with me and uh, it was great. Oh, it was awesome to see you. And I'm sure I hit you up every time I was in Seattle. I think you had already even moved away and I would still hit you up if I was in Seattle just because I. And then I missed you. I think you were in St. Louis or nearby and I had already moved. But th those are some great memories that I have because it's life coming full circle and seeing your success. Again, Ankla was one thing and I was like, oh, I don't know if I could listen to this in my car. But King, <laughs> on the other hand, it reminds me of, and I hope this isn't an insult, it reminds me of a mesh of Alice in Chains and Stone Temple Pilots and so many bands that I loved in the late 90s. How dare you compare us to some of my favorite bands? How okay. dare you, Monica? Okay, good. It's not an <laughs> insult. <laughs> no, not at all. I love Alice in Chains. Oh, yeah. Um, I actually I actually dated one of their roadies for a minute. Did you really? Yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's I know. Awesome. Big time, right? Big That's time. That's awesome. Yeah. But seeing you in Seattle, some of my greatest memories. What happened after you guys started touring? Because these are some of my favorite parts of the rock star biographies that I read is that, you know, you've got the interpersonal dynamics, you have the road weariness, and then you have the fact that you have to be on stage and you also have to be creative because there always has to be something next. Sure. So, yeah, we, we were constantly on tour. We, thankfully, we toured with, you know, some of my favorite bands that I grew up listening to. So it was all like a dream, a dream come true. The dynamics in the band. We had a friend of ours that, that would go with us. His name is Nick. He was a very cheerful, super happy-go-lucky person, always very selfless. But he was, I think, the first victim of, of the dynamics that go into living 24-7 in such close quarters with people you really don't know. You know what I mean? Sure, yeah. You're, you're, kind, of, you're kind of thrown into the situation where you either have to become a family. No, you don't have to. You do become a family. But as you know, in families... Not everyone gets along, you know? I mean, I would and, really uh, like to walk out of the door many times a day with my kids in the house. and just Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And sometimes when you're just driving on the highway, you still have 10 hours left to your next destination. That's not really an option. You know what no. I mean? Mm -hmm. It's hard. And I remember one thing we started doing, which I, looking back, I think is a coping, was a coping mechanism for us to argue, was we started talking to each other in... Uh, Russian accents. <laughs> <laughs> so whenever you would bring something up, it didn't sound serious. Like, bro, you forgot the fucking guitar. You know, like, you, you just <laughs> talk to each other that way. <laughs> no, Pepe, this is even funnier because my husband's Russian and he and his dad bicker in Russian all the time. <laughs> they're, they're speaking in Russian and, like, everything they say to each other is just... Oh my God, you're fighting again. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't even know why Russian accents started happening. 
but but uh, but that's how we we started communicating. And we would I would I would like kind of like step step away from the situation sometimes when we were discussing things. Yeah, we're having really serious, angry conversations, all of us in Russian accents. So it never escalated. It was kind of hilarious, yeah, because you're you're doing a stupid voice to to say something that's bothering you. So it's not like saying like, "Hey, dude, like you you didn't do the count in for the merch." You're you know like what the fuck? You're just like, yeah. "Bro, why did you not cut the shirts when we go into the venue?" You know, like, and it's just <laughs> and I'm not to say totally that's a good like that. We even did a tour where we convinced everybody that we were a band from Russia. <laughs> oh um, my god, have you seen Bert Kreischer? I have seen him. Oh my but I, I don't know what you're referring to. Well, his his Russia story, I'm the machine. Oh, I think I have seen that. <laughs> I think I have seen you that. You need to go back and watch it. It will resonate. I promise. I'll look for it. I'll look for it. Yeah. So we would do that to kind of cope. It was the road became a lot for Nick, and he, you know, he stopped. He stopped going out with us. But the three of us just kind of trekked on, and we uh, we get along really well. We all have more or less the same sense of humor. We give each other a lot of shit, kind of adapted to to life on the road like that. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so yeah, we managed to do that for for se- several years, honestly, until it wasn't COVID that did it. But well, it was the fact that I I got married. Oh, and that, that's you when, did that thing. That's when things slowed down. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I did do that thing. <laughs> Good for yeah. you, though. I think that's I was, awesome. I was I very was happy guy. when I saw your pictures. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a great decision, but yeah, it was definitely it definitely took it took its toll on my musical career, which is not done. Like I'm still, we're, I still tour, I still yeah. we're still doing King, you know. But yeah, so yeah, that that was basically like the gist of how we how we toured, you know. Okay, well that that makes total sense. So from your perspective, and again, I've read far too many biographies from musicians. So I've read uh, The Dirt, which I found uh-huh. fascinating. Read Nikki Six's follow up about his incredibly horrible addiction. I've uh-huh. read Anthony Kiedis. I've read his biography and Keith Richards, which I found really dry. There's yeah. just way too much about his growing up. I'm like, honestly, I don't care. Just get me to I don't to care, your... exactly. Let's back up just one second. Tell me about the locations you've played in LA because I think we were both in LA about the same time. And I really am sad that I didn't know I had more friends in LA because that was so lonely there. Oh, were you really? Oh, yeah. Bummer. Like I, I lived there from 2003 until mid 2005. We were definitely here, Monica. We could have been super pals. Yeah. LA, LA I've played at, like, <laughs> I think every venue that you can think of. Like you've played the, did you play the Viper Room? Played the rock, Viper Room 7,000 times, the Whiskey, the Roxy, yeah. the Troubadour, the Key Club, which no longer exists. I played the House of Blues. I played um, the Palace. I never played the Palladium. But yeah, I played around around town everywhere. I'm so sad. If Facebook had only existed a little bit sooner, I think I would right. have made more connections. I know. That's so crazy. But life ends up how it's supposed to be. For sure. For sure. <laughs> and I'm so. glad we did eventually connect. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What do you think if you had a magic formula for a band and for how, you know, musicians can stick together? Like, what do you think is your formula? Like for bands to stay together? Yeah. I think the formula is definitely not take yourself too seriously. You got to get rid of your ego. You know, like you're going to get your feelings hurt all the time. Like, it's just 
a matter a matter of fact, right? Like you're gonna disagree with things. Uh, you have flaws that are gonna get brought brought to light, and you just have to understand where things are coming from. And you can either take it personally and have a fit, or you can grow as a person. And I think you just have to have good perspective of who you are and okay. who who you're with. You know? Yeah, I think that makes sense. I mean, it's like any good partnership, right? Even in a marriage. Paul never hurts my feelings. I hurt his feelings all the time. <laughs> no, that's a lie. <laughs> that's a lie. But you know, we're we're part we're partners in crime. It's like good cop, bad cop one day, bad cop, good cop, or sure. like, hey, what can I do for you today? Because I know you have 50 million weeks of work ahead of you. And then on the flip side, he supports me with um like Hey, I need to sleep until nine o'clock on Saturday. Seriously, right. I don't want to wake up because your alarm goes off at four forty in the morning, and then I never get back to sleep. Congratulations. Communication, right? Communication. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm like, um, I have a love hate relationship with you and the gym. I'm glad you're doing it. I hate that I have to suffer it. <laughs> Wait, he goes to the gym at five in the morning. Yeah, a lot of times I don't get back to sleep. <laughs> That's a crazy time to wake up. I don't it know how it is. What I time don't does either. he go to sleep? um 10 no he survives on like the smallest amount of sleep a That's person could, yeah i'm like no i need 10 hours of sleep in a row plus a two-hour nap of course <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy well good for him that he's yeah, that no. disciplined i wish i was no he he's a great dad he's a great husband and again it comes down to communication and that's what good partnerships are right Exactly. Yeah. Communication and respect. That's it. There can be as much as much making fun of and, you know, jokes, whatever. Oh, they're the teasings. And I'm like, you can't I'm like, you can't tease me, bro. He's like, I can <laughs> tease you. I married you. <laughs> he's right. He's got he's got he's, he can he can tease you. Yeah. So that, that that's basically it. You know, you, you kind of like have to grow as a person and, and grow alongside everyone else and communicate and respect each other. But I want to continue our conversation because I love how your career has morphed into more than just playing music and how it is now you're teaching music. And it sounds like you've been doing this for a long time, but now you're doing, I've seen the School of Rock right. with Jack Black, but <laughs> right. you're doing it for real. Yeah. So I was touring with King and we were close to Maryland and we got a, I got a message from a dude from a music school there called Let There Be Rock. It was cool because he looked at our schedule and everything. He knew we'd be driving through. He knew we had a day off. Okay. And he was like, hey, uh, we're on your way to your next show. We saw you guys play a few months ago around here, and we loved your band. Would you be cool coming to the to our school and performing for the kids, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, ugh. Like, that's kind of <laughs> like, like, not fun, you know, for, for right. a day off. Right. Obviously, the answer is yes to that mm -hmm. question uh the band was like yeah let's do it so we, we drove to to frederick maryland they were gonna have some kids open for us and they had like a, a cool little stage and i really didn't think too much about playing okay. there you know because i was playing in front of kids then these kids started playing and they fucking blew me away like really they, during the first song i was like i'm gonna go warm up because <laughs> 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 they were amazing amazing and I was like, oh, this, is, this is really crazy. Anyway, so we played we played our, our show there. 
then we, we, you know, we went off to the next city, but we sort of stayed in town with the people from that school. Okay. A few, few, few months after, you know, we were going to be in the area. They invited us, invited us there. And then um, the owner of the school took us to, to dinner and I was already dating my wife. And okay. I, I was already trying to think of, I mean, I was fine living by myself. You know what I mean? With roommates in Los Angeles, I didn't. I knew I wasn't going to be able to do this with a wife, and like I needed to know how to take care of her and stuff. You know, we were just talking about. It. He was telling me that he has other friends that opened some some music schools with his name. You know. Okay. I was like, "What if I opened one of these in Texas? How would you feel about that?" He's like, "Let's talk about it. Like, we, I'd love to do it." His name's Scott Marcerone, who's become one of my best friends. Anyway, so we started talking about it. I started talking with. Valeria, my wife, and uh, mm-hmm. we, cause we were thinking like, where is she going to move to LA? Mm-hmm. Am I moving to El Paso? Mm-hmm. You know, like having my whole family in Juarez, like it would be, it would make sense, you know, and her family's yeah. in Juarez too. We just said, all right, let's do this music school thing and I'll move to El Paso. Obviously LA was super expensive. Oh, yeah. Um, So that's kind of how the idea started. And then I just moved over there and I started looking for, for buildings. Yeah, slowly but surely we, you know, started putting it together. Unfortunately, my my dad passed. What year was it? Two thousand fifteen. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, thank you. Yeah, but uh, he, you know, he left us a little bit of money, and I used that money to start the school, and I've been doing it now for seven years. I think that's so awesome, and I love seeing your updates about the School of Rock because just going back to the movie again, I think music is <clears throat> so important. You know, um, the Trolls movies. Yeah. Okay, so I'm the Rock Troll. A rock troll at heart, so I love seeing your updates. What's been yes. your favorite part about opening the schools? So the school is basically we put kid like we do private lessons, right? And then mm-hmm. we put kids in, in bands. We put students in bands, and okay. then we do rehearsals, and they learn cover songs, and then we do concerts around town, right? My favorite thing has been having kids walk in there, extremely introverted parents don't know what to do with them. This is like their okay. last attempt at finding something that they're interested in. Okay. I have a, a great example. Um, one of our one of our students has been there for the longest. Didn't talk. Really quiet. Really shy. The first time he got up on stage, he sang and played bass. And his parents, like I, I looked to see them, and they were both bawling because they had never seen him express himself. And I'm t- I'm telling you, he was he wasn't just like perform- like singing. He was really performing he was wearing his heart on his sleeve and it was really fascinating to watch his parents kind of like watch his watch their kid do something they'd never imagined he would be you know remotely even interested in and seeing how, how passionate he is about it and they both hugged me afterwards and that's that's one example that's happened countless times where i look over at parents and they're crying because they can't believe their kids you know, performing and loving it and that he's into that. You know what I mean? It's really rewarding. It's honestly one of the most rewarding things I've ever done because you're, you're seeing how you're affecting lives. I had this other kiddo who came in, he was 50, uh, no, he was young. He was uh, maybe 13, said, "Um, I just want to learn to play guitar. I never want to perform in front of anybody. All of a sudden he was in like five bands, five of my bands. He's in college now, still taking lessons online with one of our teachers. Like, so it's, you, you realize that you're really affecting and changing people's lives for the better and creating real musicians, you know? People are going to create art that's going to affect future generations. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's really cool. I think art is one of those things that impacts people in a number of ways, whether it's drawn art, paintings, 
music, I personally love music and I love lots of varieties of music. I mean, if I could go through my playlist right now. So I have your band King at the top because uh -huh. I was listening nice. to that this morning just to like nice. refresh. And then it's the Beatles, the Smiths and Vivaldi. And I'm like, okay, this is a really random. <laughs> eclectic. Yes. Very eclectic. Yes. But you know, there's music for every mood. And whether it's something that you can listen to now that you listened to when you were 15, you know all the words, or it's something new that you hear. I don't really listen to much new music now, which maybe says something about my state in life. I feel like my parents now. I mean, I think that's normal. <laughs> I've, I've Thank kind you. of discovered that, that, that bands, even if it's a band you love, I feel like they have like a four record lifespan in in their fans' ears. And then after that, you want to hear the classics. You don't want to hear yeah. new shit. You know I, I mean? want to be able to sing the words. So let's talk about your records. How many records does King have? King has three. And then we're, we're slowly releasing songs now. We're going to okay. start releasing songs now. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> What's been your yeah. favorite record to record with them? As have been the second record we did called Burn the Serum. That was my favorite record to record because we did it here in LA. It was at an awesome studio. The guy that produced our record, he plays in a band called Fireball Ministry, and he's become one of my best friends. And just the fact that that, that happened brings me really good memories, including and the sound engineer too, Andrew Oleckel, who's amazing. I think that the friendship that sprouted from that made that my favorite record to record, I think. That's awesome. They yeah. all have their things, right? The first one, we recorded it in pieces because we didn't have any money. So we'd just come up with a few hundred bucks and then we'd go to a studio and then record, you know, as many okay. drums as we possibly could. Yeah. So that was kind of cool. The third one was the first one that was like, you know, a label, like kind of like put money into it. We uh, went to a real studio in, in Austin. Like they all had their good and bad things, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, I loved listening to it. And again, my kids were dancing around like rock trolls <laughs> while I was emptying the dishwasher. That's awesome. That's really cool. Okay, let's move on just a little bit. Sure. And your focus now is on King as well as the School of Rock. And you have now two locations in El Paso, right? Yes. Um, we just opened on the east side of El Paso. Not just opened. We opened a few years ago. Uh, we also did a re do, are doing a recording studio there. And we actually have a podcast studio there for people that want to record podcasts. So Oh, really? Okay. That's kind of yeah, we're kind I of I can get out get out of my bedroom. <laughs> you can get out of your bedroom. We can even film it, Monica, and people can see oh, your lovely face. Then <laughs> <laughs> I have to put put clothes on, not pajamas. <laughs> I'm not even joking about sure. that. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you. I think we're on the same boat. When Monica and I first started out, I bought like this uh, semi-fancy microphone. And I had this whole setup and then Paul and I were in the process of moving and, and everything. Eventually the sound, I don't know what it was with the microphone, but it was just so tedious. I, I had to like fine tune every bit of speech that it would take uh -huh. forever. So now I just use Apple earbuds and my laptop. Tip typical, right? Like you spent all oh, this money yeah, and you no, realize. Exactly. The best, the best <laughs> and thing is I the sit in thing. my bed instead of like, being all posh and sitting at a desk. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> yeah I... So I want to go into some other interests sure. that you may have. I usually ask our spotlight guests some questions, 
But since you are now the second man I've interviewed, okay, you're one of two. It's very, uh, very high praise. <laughs> I love it. Um, I usually ask them, like, what's your mom's superpower, this, that, and the other. But I want to know some questions more on the musical side. What was your first concert that you remember vividly? Uh, my first concert was, well, it was like it was the festival in Juarez with uh, Mexican and Latin American rock bands. Uh, it was called Huateques Tour. And that's okay. the first the first concert that I re- vividly remember that I went to. That, how old were you? I was I was older. I was like I was like 15. I was already in high school. It was because, you know, we grew up religious and my parents well, were so anti all that stuff. You know. Oh, my gosh. So, OK, so, yeah, this brings me back because I went to my first concert when I was maybe 16. Uh-huh. I think I saw Space Hog and Everclear. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, the dude came out wearing a sock on his you know what. <laughs> right on <laughs> and it. <laughs> and I went I went with my high school friends. So that was my very first concert. And then the second one, I went with a guy that I was dating and we saw Stone Temple Pilots. Must have been awesome. The drummer was up in some lifts way above the stage and you know doing a motley crew whatever because he's like high up in the air there were some amazing concerts coming to el paso uh when we were kids and i would Mm -hmm. ask for all the time and i was never allowed to go and i was like fuck oh you know who else i saw wasn't necessarily the first concert but what was one of the first and i remember asking my mom for permission it's like, mom, so um, Carlos Santana is coming to play at Pine Knob. Can I go? She was on the phone with my Aunt Dale, who still lives in El Paso. Uh-huh. And they just burst out laughing. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, wait, no, the Carlos Santana from when we were growing up? I was like, I don't know. He's just coming to play. And so, yes, they allowed me to go. It was a great concert. Nice. As, as with should. Bob Thomas. <laughs> like, it was great. That's a good show. That must have been awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was It was great. All right. If you could go back in time and see any musician or band live, who would be on your list? It doesn't <sighs> just have to be one. You can pick a couple. Oh, man. I mean, I guess Led Zeppelin, you know? Ooh, I would have loved mm-hmm. to, to see Led Zeppelin. Cream. Cream would have been great to see live. Okay. And... uh I've I've seen Black Sabbath with the original lineup, but I would have loved to see them back in the day, you know? Sure. Uh, I guess those, if I went back back in time, I would pick those. I know those are very generic, but... but I mean, you like what you I like. Mean, doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, and it's it's bands that I wish I, I would have seen, you know? It's stuff that I, that I listen to now, and that would have been awesome to see that. Yeah. Watching the Stone Temple Pilots with my kids was so awesome. <laughs> because they didn't know what to do about the music at the at the beginning of the concert and we were outside uh-huh. it was here at hurlbert field outdoor venue we're on concrete slab they're playing we're close there aren't many people mm. my daughter's like covering her ears i'm like i knew i should brought earplugs right and after about 20 minutes seeing them jump up and down and party just like kids it was priceless especially awesome. singing songs that i just remember right all right how how long ago was this um, a couple months ago. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they were touring with Fuel, but Stone Temple Pilots were the headliners and they, they're just touring like the U.S. bases. Oh, very cool. Yeah. I, I've, so, I've seen, I've seen posts that they're, that they were touring. 
I don't even know who their singer is. Was he good? He has to have been great. He sounded so, so much like Scott Weiland. Nice. Yeah, oh, he did. He did. Great. Like, I think he did <laughs> his memory justice and made he made a great show. Nice. Awesome. Oh, that's really cool. You took your kiddos to see that. Yeah, I was a little nervous. I was like, Paul, should we just get a sitter? He's like, no, let's take him. <laughs> so we have our lawn chairs. <laughs> Paul and the other dads waited in an hour line for food, beer for me. <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. Stand lines. Can't no. I, I honestly, I hate going to big shows because I can't stand lines. Oh, and Pepe, <laughs> it wasn't even a big show. If you could have seen how small the crowd was in comparison to when I saw them at Palace of Auburn Hills. Uh-huh. Like that place was enormous. Such and a shame, there were right? there there were like two hundred people, maybe. Ah, oh, that's such a shame. Such a good band. Yeah. Well, and the, the whole concert was free. So oh, I, that's even worse. I, I, I applaud them. I know. I know. I'm like, why would why isn't everybody here? Like, why isn't everybody on the base here and everyone with a military ID here? I didn't get it, but it was it was more fun for me because I got really close to the stage and I probably would have been a groupie if I hadn't had to get my kids to bed. Actually, <laughs> I'd have like stayed around. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So I want to know what you're listening to now. Um, what I'm listening to now, there's a band called Royal Thunder that I love that uh, they've been around for a while, but I can't stop listening to them. I think they're really good. OK, I'm going to pull them up. Uh, fuck, what else am I listening to? I'm almost the same as you, where I rarely discover mu- new music. I'm just oh, listening to the same stuff that I, that I that I've always listened to. But I feel like there's bands that I'm like. Oh, have anybody ever asked me about a band, and I can't think of anything right now. My typical my typical stuff, metal records. I still listen to a lot of that stoner music that I was telling you about, like Down mm-hmm. and of Conformity and stuff like that. Yeah, sorry, Monica. No, <laughs> it's okay. that was the I worst mean, answer. I pull up Weezer and Cake on the regular because those are my go tos. Now that you said that, since I'm at the, the, the school and, you mm-hmm. know, kids come in, come in with music, ironically, Weezer is all, like every band that we have plays a, a Weezer song, it seems. And uh, <laughs> I had never really listened to Weezer. They are They're so awesome. Fun. So great. Like the songs are so good. And I'm always like, who whose song is this? This is awesome. Weezer. And I was like, oh, I should have known it was Weezer. Also, <laughs> Arctic Monkeys. I had never listened to Arctic oh, Monkey. Oh, yeah. So many kids pick Art- Arctic Monkey songs, and they're fucking great. Like, I'm like, man, these songs are awesome. I can't believe I never, like, even give them a chance. We did a festival with Arctic Monkeys, and I didn't even go see them. I didn't know who they were, and I just didn't care, you know? And yeah. now I'm like, what an idiot. <laughs> what a closed-minded idiot I am. Well, you should check out Cake. I mean, like, Cake has the one, that, had that one the song, one right? dude um, plays seven instruments, and oh, that wow. always amazes me. They have that one song. Can't think of it. Engines pumping and thumping in time. But they had a big the race song. Car? No? The race car song. Yes, uh, that's the one yes. I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if you if you take a chance and you like just listen to them, they've got a lot I'll, of good hooks and oh. they have a lot of instruments, which I love. Also, the Gorillas. Oh, the Gorillas! I was just listening to them the other day. Another band I'd never really listened to until kids at the school started playing their music. I was like. Fuck, this is awesome stuff. Yeah, I saw them in Seattle. Oh, really? Yeah, nice. they, they were great. I'd love to see a show of theirs. No, no, I was just going to say, I just gave you, you know, old bands that everyone knows. So, but yeah. No, it's all right. It's pretty crazy because I rarely get artists that I've never heard of. Like, it's always artists from our time, which I think is really interesting that kids are being drawn so much to that stuff. 
I just saw I mean, a band for of sixteen year olds play Deftones, and one of my teachers oh. was like, "Oh my god, Deftones are huge with like sixteen year olds right now." I was like, "That's so crazy." It is so crazy. What's old is new again. Yeah, if you exactly. look at the fashion, like exactly. Oh, God. oh yeah, it's Y'all, so cringy. Like fucking Jinko jeans again. <laughs> Paul's like, you better not buy any mom jeans. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I just can't. My wife's all about him. (laughs) (laughs) I actually ordered a pair from American Eagle and I tried them on. I looked at myself in the mirror. I'm like, nope, these are going back. You probably ordered them right when Paul said, you you better not order any of these. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Typical, Monica. All right. So if you're not listening to something, what are you watching? What am I watching? I mean, one of my go-tos is always, uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. I watch that a lot too much, but it's something that so both funny. my wife and I like. Yeah. I love Kirby Enthusiasm. I'm watching that show Painkiller right now, I think. <gasps> oh, I just finished that. I'm on. I know, I know it's only six episodes. I, I, I'm only on. on no, the third it's one. if you're watching that. Have you seen the one with Michael Keaton called Dope Sick? I have not. You have to watch that next. They're okay, all in the same vein. It's all about the same family. And the pharmaceuticals oh, okay. and the opioids, but there, it's two sides of the same coin. And I just like I went on a rant the other day to Paul because I had just finished it. I was like, Paul, this is I sold pharmaceuticals. I know it's uh-huh. a racket. I know it's all lies. Like it just makes me mad. I'm like, people could have stopped this. It's infuriating. Oh, and there's nothing I can do about it. They're murderers, literally yeah. murderers. It's, it's um, crazy, right? Painkiller is good. I got in trouble because I watched The Witcher without Paul. Okay. I've never seen that. Is that good? <laughs> oh, The Witcher. Yes. All right. I, I'm think, watch it. I think it is. If you like action, it's violent. Yeah. Like, did you ever see The Boys? Yes. We love The Boys. Paul and I watched that together. Are they doing a fourth season? Because I'm waiting. I think so. I think so. It's killing me. It's been so long. But yeah, I, my wife and I watched that together too. And we both loved it. Oh, yeah. No, The Boys is great. So if you like The Boys, the Witcher is the boys, but in the mythological, uh, more like witchcraft and magic. Okay. As opposed to like supernatural powers. Ah, I like it. I'll check it out for sure. A lot of a lot of sword fighting. Pepe, is there anything you want to share with our friends before we wrap up? I don't know. Just if, if they're interested in the music, and it's King K Y and G, which you you said at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I also play in a hardcore band called Strife. I didn't know that. I've been doing it on and off for a long time. But that's that's why I'm in L.A. right now. We're, we have a couple of shows with Strife. Pepe, I am so happy you agreed to this. And I know it takes time out of your day. I'm just excited to learn your story in its entirety. Yeah, I'm going to play the music for the kids. They're going to be rock trolls for the rest of the day. Honestly, I'm flattered that you asked me to do this. Like I was like, Aww. why would you want me to do this? I, I love that you did. And thank you so much for having me. I love learning people's stories, and I think yours is something special. Oh, thank you, Monica. Friends, if you like this episode, don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And look for King's work now. On Facebook and Instagram. We got to get that website up and running. All right. Well, Facebook and Instagram works. It's K-Y-N-G. And if you want more Two Monicas and a Microphone, follow us on Instagram at 
to Monica's podcast. That's with the number two. And yes, I am doing the number two sign because that's what we do. <laughs> oh, it's like it's for real. It's a thing. And don't forget to hear, hit that share button and send this episode to a friend who might enjoy it as much as you do. Don't forget to check out Let There Be Rock Schools in Frederick, Maryland, Folsom, Pennsylvania, El Paso, Texas, Martinsburg, West Virginia, Huntington Beach, California, Gainesville, Georgia, and Riverview, Florida. And they also offer classes online. Today's transitions were provided by Sasha Ende and filmmusic.io. Comedic Juggernaut by Kevin McLeod from filmmusic.io. Wagner Bridal Chorus by Kevin McLeod from filmmusic.io. And Savannah Sketch by Kevin McLeod from filmmusic.io. 